You are listening to the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. Check out all the great shows on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station, like this one. Hey guys, this is Zach, Bill, and Ryan from Deep Pod Cuts. That's right, uh, we bring you the deepest, coolest, new, and existing podcasts that are going on right now. So if you're looking for an interesting way to get your feet wet in the world of podcasting, but don't want to trudge through endless hours of boring blah, 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 listen to Deep Podcuts. Where all the podcasts are interesting and may or may not be made up. All right. Welcome to episode 30 of the Improv Save My Life podcast. I'm your host, Tom Boyer. I am joined by a uh, second time co-host this week, Chris Griffin. What's up, Chris? Much time. Uh, what was I on episode uh, twelve? I think you're you need to keep me on here a little bit. You know, bring me in more often. Thank you. You'll be coming up soon. Yeah, next week as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are um, on always on deck. Is one of your groups? Yep. And that's a sketch group, right? Yeah. And Card Eventuals, which is kind of like a blend of news and it's a satirical sketch show that we yeah. write in a week and perform. When the weekends, yeah, yeah. it's good like stuff. Our, it's like our SNL, basically. Yeah, I like it. It's yeah. good stuff. Um, and this week's guest is Lori Strauss. Hey, hey, Lori, how's it going? Hey. Were you about to call me Strauss? It's okay. Oh <laughs> my god! What? No, it sounded like you said S. That's fine. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Lori is an instructor and director at Improv Boston. Yeah. She is also a host of the Moth Boston Story Slams. Yeah, that's right. What What is that? Uh, yeah, so the Moth is a radio show and also a nonprofit. And the Story Slams are how they develop their stories for the radio and for their podcast. And so they do that. It's kind of like an open mic. And so I host those live shows. And some of those stories make it to the radio and some don't. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so... Basically, on this show, we try to get like the guests' um, backstory, where they grew up, and just yeah. how that led into them eventually getting into improv. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind taking me through that. Yeah. How I grew up, where I grew up. I grew up in upstate New York in a really happy, sleepy suburb um, that had nothing to do with improv. Um, I remember, actually, I remember in like sixth or seventh grade, practicing like with my friends group telling jokes and like failing all the time and like learning what sarcasm was and at the time I was like oh sarcasm is humor like that's how you be funny but I was just probably like a snarky asshole um for like that age between like 11 and 15 or 16. I think that's kind of where you develop whatever humor you're going to end up with. Yeah. Um I remember I I because I, I, when you're a kid anything will make you laugh like uh, to a certain age, and then you'll find like I, I I like The Simpsons a lot, and they had a lot of kind of weird sarcastic type of stuff on there. Yep, you and the rest of the country, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got it under the crowd floor though. Hey, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I had like an original Cowabunga shirt. I remember. Uh, Do you guys remember how everyone had Simpsons T-shirts and yeah. like Simpsons skateboards and stuff back in the early nineties? I wanted um this the Bartman T-shirt, which yeah. was him wearing like a purple Batman kind of outfit, um, and my mom like promised me she'd get one but they were just sold out everywhere so it was weeks and weeks i was like badgering her over and over like where's my shirt i had a friend who had a a bart simpson's poster bart simpson poster no s and uh said i'm bart simpson who the hell are you and my brother and i wanted it so bad i was like no that has a swear on it it's never gonna go up in our house yeah i don't know if this was local to my area or if this was something for everyone but there was like a bart simpson t-shirt that was like he was like bragging about being an underachiever Mm -hmm. somehow and like they got banned from school i'm an an underachiever and proud of it yeah yeah, yeah. and and so i don't know that it was very local to us probably where it was like you can't wear that shirt anymore he's a bad influence he it's voiced by a woman. Damn pieces. <laughs> I, I, one more quick Simpsons. Let's <laughs> um, talk about that for now. So, um, I'm 35. I think The Simpsons made it come out in 88. 89, yeah. Um, so, it would put me around 10, 11 when they were really taken off. Um, 
and there was this they put out an album called the simpsons sing yep. the blues yep. which i thought was awesome at the time looking back it was probably pretty horrendous yeah. yeah but i still think it was pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> i used to listen to that over and over and play Mega Man 3 with this <laughs> audio down um but then like I don't know how, but like this girl showed up at my house, like age, like my age, and I was listening to it. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, I tried to pause it. And she's like, "No, I want to listen." And then I, th- I think she was a couple years older, and she thought it was really stupid. I was like, damn, <laughs> damn you, Simpsons! I still remember also that track list. I mean, you had Homer singing, uh, "If it's not for bad luck, I don't have no luck at all." Right. Yeah, I had that album. It sounds very cute. It, I'm not familiar with it. It, it but was like, it was weird because it had a lot of it had like half joke songs, but then half of the cast was like really like trying to sing like old standards. Well, really? There was a time where like after the Simpsons would get like it would end if you stuck around for the post credit, they'd have music videos where Bart Simpson would sing "Do the Bartman" and uh, Homer would have a song, and that was going on for a while. And it was like a year lead in to that album releasing. So a oh, lot of that was on that's there. interesting. You know, I met Nancy Cartwright, who is the voice of Bart Simpson and Nelson and a few other characters. Um, I met her when I was in college and she, so like we brought her to school because I was like in the entertainment club and she was going to give a talk. She went on and on and on before she got on stage how she never does the voices of her characters like when she's just with like normal people, <laughs> like civilians, right? It's like an improviser not doing bits uh-huh. like right. with their non-improvising friends. And, but she was wrong because as soon as she came off stage, like we took her to dinner or whatever, and that's all she did. Like, <laughs> voices of her characters, and it got really annoying. I mean, I think I would do that too. Like, if that's what I know was gonna, like, like if that's your fame, yeah. yeah. She had an interesting story though. When she moved to LA, like, she had to live in her car, she didn't have any money. Um, and she, like, I think she camped out in front of like a famous voice actor's home <laughs> and, like, eventually was able to get an audition. Does she sound like Bart, like, in her normal voice? There's, like, parts of it that you can definitely hear where it comes the, from. The woman that plays Lisa sounds like Lisa yeah. all the time. Yeah. She was on Herman's Head. And she was also in, um, what's <laughs> that cowboy movie with Billy Crystal? Oh, City Slickers. Yeah, she was also in City Slickers for a very brief <laughs> moment. You just can't, like, she can't, if she has a speaking role, like, you're going to notice it's her because it just sounds like Lisa. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so, that takes me to about age 16. Uh, and then I stopped watching The Simpsons. And, um, actually, I probably stopped watching The Simpsons when I was 18, and then it got bad. But, um, but yeah, I remember, like, with my friend, like, group of friends trying to tell jokes and like just having like a big group of people stare at me blankly and there's like that weird awkward pause and then conversation continues as if you didn't say anything and I remember that happening a lot and then at some point I actually think fig- like I figured it out and became funnier um, <laughs> I guess and um, then in college I didn't do improv at all because we thought um, these were me and my friends these other comedy snobs uh, we were like improv is for losers like <laughs> we'll never do improv and those people we don't want to be around did you them. pick on the improv people <laughs> no because we were like dorks so uh, we were already at the bottom of the food chain or like whatever like, we were already pretty low status so even though we did run the entertainment club. <laughs> uh, so um, so for a long time, I thought improv was all short form, and I thought it was like all college improv, which is typically not great. It's not horrendous, but it's not great. Like those people, they, don't, they tend not to have coaches. They're like self-coached. Right. They don't really know how it works. So um, what happened is uh, a, a near and dear friend, I'll say he was a friend, uh, <laughs> When we moved apart from each other, he uh, he fell into taking improv classes as an adult. So I'm also 35. And so uh, he was like 27, 28 when he started taking improv classes. He was like, you have to take improv classes. This is made for you. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't want to hang out with a loser. But then like he like really got into it and just like talking to him about it. It was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe that's something that I should do. So I was living in Philly at the time and the improv scene in Philly was just starting to grow and I was not tapped into it at all. So I moved to Boston, like I quit my job for lots of different reasons, um, moved to Boston. And so I promised myself three things. One, I was going to take improv classes. 
Two, I was going to join the four, adult Foursquare League, which I did and became like a world champion. Um, and three, I was going to take glass blowing class, which I didn't do because I found improv and fell in love with it. <laughs> and like all of those people are like my dearest and nearest, yeah, sure, friends. Awesome. And like I and I love doing comedy now, and I can't believe that I spent so many years not doing it. That's right. awesome. Um, so I want to say something before putting the light on you, Tom, but. I started taking class in January of 2013, and life is so weird. Um, so I had taken like an acting class in April of 2012 at the Boston Center for Adult Education with the intention, and, and you know this, I've known Tom for about four years now, three years. Um, and I did it because I wanted to write a web series and, and act in it. Um, so I took a film writing class, I took a filmmaking class at BCAA, BCA, BCAE. Acronyms are hard, guys. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> um, and an acting class. And I was like, all right, cool. I can do this. This would be cool. Um, but I didn't know that there was a such thing as improv classes. And so I'm at a bar. I'm at Patios um, in like September or October of 2012. And a group of girls come in. And I'm with my buddy, my buddy Corey, um, my best friend. He should get into improv. He definitely shouldn't. He like whenever he drinks at a show, he's like, "Oh my god, I want to do this." But then when he's sober, he's like, "No, I'll never do that." Oh, you should take my class, <laughs> Corey. If you're listening to this, take there my it is. class. Um, and they were taking classes at UCB, mm-hmm. and and uh, interning there. These these group of girls that walked in, um, and we're just chatting, and I was like, "Oh no, I want to get into comedy. I want to do like sketching, and uh, like you should take an improv class." I was like. Is that such? Is there a thing? Is that a thing in Boston? They're like, yeah, Improv Asylum. They teach classes. Go. I heard it's good, and so I started taking the class there a few months later, and I just recently reconnected with the girl who uh, referred me because mm-hmm. I reached out to her on Facebook and asked her if she was submitting for the BCAF, and uh, I'm so I'm super stu- I'm super stoked and psyched, which I almost put those two words together. <laughs> that's how excited I am about it, and I hope that she gets in psyched? and we both perform in the same festival. That's like one way that. Things come full circle. Yeah, nice. Um, but to bring it to Tom, what you said about how like uh, someone told you to take an improv class and you should do improv, and you're like, no, those guys are losers. <laughs> That's exactly what Tom did when okay. I took yeah. my class in, in January of 2013. I was just finishing level one. I'm like, dude, you got to take improv. It's so awesome. I was like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna make me say yeah. yes and yeah. to everything. Yeah. I hated the concept <laughs> of yes and. Um, so you like these. These things here. Yeah, no more trust falls with Ted from sales. Yeah, I used to see those like on the train. <laughs> yeah, I used to and, see those too. I'd be like, oh, that, that, that doesn't appeal to me at all. <laughs> so that's why that's... I took classes at IB, but um, <laughs> I, now I take classes here too. So I, I take them, I take them everywhere. So that's what I thought. I was just like. Um, like a bunch of people forced to kind of do it by their work or something. Yeah, which would be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, obviously, I really got into it once I did it. Thanks to Chris. I'm so happy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, only, only thing that you could have been like a world class glass blower. I might still be. I don't know. I think I have really Dude, low. You almost made me spit out the <laughs> uh, I have like low lung capacity. So mm. I, I don't know. I'm actually really worried about that part of glass because it's like it's hot and it needs to happen right then and I'm trying to like blow into the tube and have like nothing happen to the glass on the other side I don't think you have to actually blow that hard in order for it to work but I am very nervous and anxious about that <laughs> you could be like an advocate for like people with low lung capacity yeah right <laughs> we can make glass stuff too I could probably just make like a glass fuse class like a torch class but I want to do glass blowing like it seems really it seems really cool you know what? I've been I've, I've been preaching this ever since I started this podcast. Like, even if improvs are not your things, take a class in something. Oh, if yeah. you're, especially if you're a, a, like an adult and you just kind of you, you're a little bored or something. You know, just you'll you'll meet people with the same interests, and you know you're gonna have fun doing it. Yeah. And if not, just try something else. You know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I started taking adult education classes like right after I finished college. So I was not super, I'm smart, but I wasn't academic in college. And I was like, I have to make up for that. So I started working at a university in Philadelphia and I got to take free classes there. But I also started taking, like I took a stained glass making 
class and I took a writing class and I learned class, how huh? to like, yeah. yeah, I took knitting and crochet and like all of those things um, and eventually like went to grad school and all that kind of good stuff and then like, yeah, it's super important and even now I'm like, okay, like comedy is great and I want to keep doing it but I focused on it exclusively for like five and a half years and so like I'm trying to branch out again so that I can be a more interesting person. I think that's like really important because if you only have comedy, you can only make jokes about comedy. Right. Yeah, I think I'm driving like my non-comedy friends insane. I'm but sure I'm you are. Talk yeah. About it yeah. yeah, but it's awesome that you're into it. Yeah. Like, I often feel like, depending on the group I'm around, either the smartest or dumbest person in the room, and there are people from the improv community that like work in pharmaceuticals, work in science, do computer development, and they have conversations and I'm just like, you guys are way too smart for me to be around right now. I've never felt more dumb in my life. But then, like, I'm, like, smart with knowledge that doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can quote TV shows and movies. I can talk, like, reference things. I, I know I'm a keen observer of the human condition. So I'm, like, good with, like, psychological stuff. But I cannot, like, I can't have an intellectual conversation with anybody. I always just feel like I'm... Take like, an intellectual class. Yeah, that's something. That's what it sounds like. That's something. Yeah. I don't know if it'll do any good. You don't. I mean, you don't know if there is particularly like. <laughs> or a book club or something. Yeah, or a book club. I was just talking about book clubs the other day. I was trying to figure out like when they were invented. <laughs> I called my dad. I was like, "Do you know when book clubs were invented?" <laughs> For like no reason. I wasn't gonna put it in a sketch. I was just like, because I think they got invented in like my childhood period. So I like, I don't know. Like I was just like, there were. For me, there were no book clubs, and then all of a sudden there were book clubs everywhere, and I couldn't figure out if they had existed for a really long time. I just didn't notice until all of a sudden I noticed, or if they didn't really exist, and then like Oprah or a library or something like made them explode. I feel like they existed as long as I've been around. Really? Yeah. Like as like fervently popular. No, I as think they are Oprah today. definitely. Right? I think it's Oprah. Yeah. Okay. Made it explode, but I feel like there's always been. There's been people who've loved books. Subculture. Yeah, but um, but um, going back to Chris for a second, like if you're doing a weekly, like I assume it's somewhat political yeah, satire. Yeah, a lot of like topical current yeah. events. Yeah. So stuff. like, yeah, why wouldn't you take like a poli sci class someplace? That might be like helpful for you. I, I don't know. I'm I not get, like I forcing you. Me, like, <laughs> well, a frown. No, no, I'm not frowning at you. I'm like thinking about. I got yelled at this week by my co-director for not doing my homework enough on sketches. Yeah. And I'm like, I had nothing to say about it because she's really fucking smart. <laughs> Can I swear on this thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just start reading the New York Times yeah. every day. Well, you know, doing that show definitely kind of like sets a bar or sets a standard because I'm reading news more than I've ever had in my life for that yeah. purpose alone. So like come showtime, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what's going on in the world. So I can talk about those kind of things. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super intellectual. You actually, he asked me to contribute something once, and I'm like, I don't really love that that political, and yeah. I don't want to look across writing uh, stupid you sketches. You need to adopt this yes and philosophy, Tom. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do improv because you don't want to say yes and. I think you just don't want a yes and life. <laughs> um, so how did you end up here in Boston? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so when I was done in Philly, I was there for seven years and I knew, so my boss gave me, I had like a lot of like big life changing things. So some people, whatever, moved away. Um, and my boss gave me a really big promotion at work and I had been in this office for seven years and I worked with the most lovely, wonderful people in the world, but because it was my first real job, I had no idea how good I had it. So she gave me a promotion and I freaked out and started crying. Um, <laughs> And she was like, you know what, maybe you're under a lot of stress right now. Like, think it over over the weekend, and then, like, let's talk on Monday. So and not, then... not crying tears of joy. No, tears I have friends who like, And it was the third time I had cried at that job in seven years. So that not, that's not bad. Not, not that bad. That's not bad. And, like, the other two times, one of them, I was, okay, anyway. <laughs> this is this whole tangent. Now I'm, like, reliving that Every one time. Every time I've ever cried at work. They haven't given me a chance to come back because, it was because I was being like going to happen once. I wish they would have taken it back after I cried. Yeah, well, yeah. So I came in on Monday and she was like, "So, like, let's talk more about this promotion." It was like a good promotion, and I was like, "I have to leave," and I did. And so I didn't. Wait, there was no other option. 
I, yeah, I just was like, she was like, okay, well, you know, you can still change your mind. And I, and she said, like, how much notice are you giving? And I was like, until I can find another job. This was pre-recession. So this was, this was pre-recession. And, um, like, just pre-recession, though, like, by a year. Um, 2007, seven years ago, yeah. Yeah. So she, um, so she let me work there for another six months while I job searched. And then at the end of the day, I couldn't find a job without actually being here. So I, like, I just had to quit. And the reason I chose Boston was because my mom grew up in Malden. So we have family in the area. Um, and like looking back, maybe I should have moved to New York because like I have New York colored glasses right now. But um, like New York is like, hmm, maybe I want to go there. But um, I knew it was too big of a city for me at the time. And so I was like, well, what's another small East Coast city like that I can manage? Um, and so it ended up being like Boston, which really ends up being like Somerville, Cambridge. So that's the story. Sorry, it's long. Oh, it's good. I mean, I could keep making it go further, well, but. <laughs> I've, I've known you in passing mm -hmm. for about a year now. Mm -hmm. And we've done like workshops and took a class at IA here together. and. I know you better now for it, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So you moved in 2007? So, no, I moved here in 2009. So, and yeah, but I quit my job there in 2008. So when you were here, um, you just looked up Boston Improv? Yeah, I actually looked up a like I looked up the Foursquare League and glass blowing and improv stuff before I left, and I made like my decision for like really for the theater based on where I was located, and I was living in Somerville, and so I was like, oh, this will be an easy commute to the theater. Um, so that's kind of how I made it, uh, and like Improv Boston has changed a lot in the past six years, so the curriculum's changed. It's gone through several different managers, several different artistic directors. Um, so it's been really interesting to see the theater kind of change and grow over that time. It has a way better website now. <laughs> I've only been going for a year and it's changed a lot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like transition. And I think a lot of that is because improv is growing and becoming mm -hmm. more popular. So um, there's room for it in the city. So there's IA, there's IB. Um, there are Some of my friends do fine line comedy. Yep. They're just suspects is doing. I know that they're affiliated here, but they do their own shows right at Hennessy. Yeah, same yeah. with Awkward so, Compliment at Somerville. Yeah, Awkward um, Compliment does Catalyst. Catalyst Comedy does has Bump and has other people coming in as well. Comedy Sports. Uh, comedy yeah. Sports does stuff. I'm putting indie party shows together. Um, yeah, we just put on a show last week. Um, my group Eagle Comedy did a show in Quincy. That, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's like and like so the idea of bar prov, I think, or like more like scrappy indie sort of stuff is catching on. I don't know that the audience is quite there for it, but the performers are. And yeah. hopefully like over time, like that will just continue to grow. So I think it's, it's super good what's happening right now. Oh, yeah. A couple of months ago, you and Brian Donnelly did the four on four tournament. Yep. And that was in, um, in Inman Square, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was at the Lily Pad. And that was obviously like not just kind of people in the bar or at the coffee shop or anywhere and performers just start performing. We knew going into it that it was going to be a show. We all paid tickets to get in and yep. watched. Um, but in relation to everything you just said, how, how does, how do those types of indie shows that you've been putting on relate to, uh, where you see things going? Yeah. Um, well, I think people who know me and like based on like the things that I direct at IV and the shows that I've been in, like the showcase shows, I um, I think long form is really important and it's something I care a lot about. Um, and so like that starts kind of at the Herald, but there's so much long form that you can do. And I'm really interested in Herald. I think it's really good. Yeah. So um, I so we just kind of felt like there was a need outside of cage match. Um, to do so, our friend uh, Brian and my and I have a friend Mike McDonald who's now like back on a cast at IB for the next six months, which is awesome. And he used to put on a three-on-three -three tournament in um, Brighton, and so it was mostly people from IB who would go there, and it was like kind of like self-selecting or whatever, but it was super fun, and people would do. Oh, question. Uh, uh, so, like, sorry. Yeah. Three-on-three uh, and four-on-four four is. Like what? Just teams, teams, of three or teams four. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like a great question, though. So yeah, teams of three competing against other teams of three in like a bracket, essentially. Gotcha. Uh, and the winner gets, I don't know, 
nothing pride. I didn't know if it was like three teams facing off and four teams facing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. no, yeah, teams of three versus teams of four. Um, so we kind of were feeling like uh, a lot of things had been changing in the community and that it was important to do another party show. And uh, Mike McDonald was busy, like, planning his wedding. So mm -hmm. he was kind of, like, out of it. And he, Although he did help us do some of the planning. So we talked to him, and we were like, hey, would you mind if we did this show? Yeah. But we want to do it in Cambridge yeah. because that's where most of our friends are. But I also, at the time, I was taking um, – I don't. it was during Sketch 1, so I don't think you were in my Sketch 1 class. So um, I was taking Sketch over here, and so I got to know some people from the various, like, sketch and improv teams at IA. And so I was like, great, so I can invite people from both theaters, yeah. like, which is super important to me. And so that's what it was. It was a long-form tournament for, like, all improvisers outside of any theater where people could, like, get real drunk and do some really good improv. Yeah, and it and was one of the funnest shows I had. I've gone to a shitload of shows in the past year at both theaters. I've gone to comedy sports, all that, but that, that four-on-four tournament was one of the best times I had, and I had to cut out a little bit early, because <coughs> that was before the trains ran late, um, yeah. but it was so much fun. Oh, cool. And, uh, you, the way you guys had it, where like you had like heavy hitters like Marty Johnson and Sasha were on a team together with a couple other people that is slipping my mind right now, I think... Mm -hmm. uh, Mike McDonald's on that team, and Molly was on that team. Yeah, yep. Molly um, And then you had like a Big Bang team, mm -hmm. and then, uh, it, like, Comedy Sports had four representatives and just a bunch of, like, up-and-coming performers who weren't on any resident cast that just put a team together and submitted. It was really cool to see, like, the different, um, the different levels, and then it also gave birth to, which I'm excited to see that they're going to be performing again in the next coming uh, quarter, is The Con Men, which was Pete Fenzel, yeah. Connor Allen, Sam Ike, um... Who's the fourth one? Oh, I, I'm slipping my mind right now. It was supposed to be. Was Luke on it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was they. They pretty much did short form. They, yeah, they, they, they did like a meta. <laughs> yeah, we were Brian and I were so annoyed because we were like, it's a long form yeah. tournament, but that's whatever. a very Sam Mike thing to do. Of though. course, like, we had uh, fuck it. Sam Mike was at our show Wednesday that we ran and. Um, he brought down the house. Like a lot of teams were great. Yeah. We, had, we had a mix of stand up and uh, improv teams, and everybody had a great show. But uh, he went on second to last, and uh, my group went on last just because we ran the show. Yeah, <laughs> and it was tough to follow because yeah, he, no, he killed. The, the man has charisma. Yeah, I mean, we did a. Uh, he was on the bill. We did a sketch show a month ago or so for the. Uh, it was like a, a veterans benefit, mm -hmm. um, and he performed after we did and he was just like you know what this is the most interesting room i've ever performed and i'm just gonna try something so he stands at the bar takes a drink and he's like you know what fuck it i'm gonna do my set from right here <laughs> he just does a set at the bar and the first three minutes of it is just talking about how much he likes to drink <laughs> and that was probably the biggest like pop that the audience gave which was a really interesting room because they they weren't a comedy room. Yeah. Um, but they they definitely bought into what he was selling them. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty clever actually. So, Lori, where you are in your improv career now? Yeah. Um, how do you feel, and where do you want to take it? That's a good question. Um, so I'm an instructor at IB. Uh, I teach 101 right now. Um, I've directed Harold for like year and a half. I'm directing an organic-based duo that's going to be in Studio 40 at IB. Um, so like I've kind of shifted into directing, even though I think I like both. I like directing and performing, but I find that it's harder when you're more experienced. And I'll, I'll play with anybody. I love playing with anybody. But to have, I'm a person that's like competitive and I, I really need people to push me to get to the next level. And a lot of those like people who who are getting good are oftentimes are moving to other cities. So it's difficult to find those people to consistently play with. So I, for myself right now, I've shifted over more towards writing and doing sketch writing because um, I can like hone my voice. I was saying this to Chris before, like I can hone my voice, I can edit and do re-edits, I can figure out what's the funniest thing and really capitalize on that. I love like I love doing improv and being in the moment and being like funny and being up on stage. But like if I want to turn this into a career that makes actual money, 
I feel like for me right now, I have to write. And that's the only way to do it. Um, you, unless uh, I like, and even if I moved to New York and did well, which I probably wouldn't, um, but let's say that I did, I still wouldn't get paid for doing improv. And I'm not a person that wants to be on TV. Like, I have no interest in being in front of cameras. Yeah. I hate You always hear that, like, Tina Fey, though, <laughs> and stuff like that. And then... I guess so, but, like, I mean, first of all, she's wicked funny um, <laughs> and super smart, so she can do whatever she wants. But um, I, so I've shot a few commercials, and I just fucking hate it. It's <laughs> the worst. It's exhausting. I get no energy from doing it. I have to read lines. Ugh. So, yeah, so for me, it's, like, Improv is an awesome, great passion, and it helps me like understand like a funny premise or a funny idea, and then take that to the next level with my writing. Cool. Do you uh, do you write sketches based on improv scenes you've done? I've done yeah. some of that, um, just because I'm not performing as regularly right now. I I can't. Yeah. Um, so I like to with like various groups of people like have like pitch ses sessions where we're like coming up with an idea together, I find that like for me, like once I have an idea, it's no problem writing a sketch, but if I sit down to write without having an idea, I'm dead. Like yeah. I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah, so. awesome. Ultimately, you want to be a, a writer. Um, yeah. I mean, you are a writer, but yeah. um, would you want to write sitcoms or something along those lines? It's a good question. I'm kind of like struggling with this question um, right now as well. So I tend to be a better dramatic writer than I am a comedy writer. Comedy writing is um, challenging for me, which is why it's appealing, right? Because like I want to conquer it. That's, a, that's writing, a really good attribute to have. It's always challenging yourself. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, taking all sorts of different classes. Like that's, it's, it's, it's actually surprising I've stuck with improv so long. Because like normally it's like, oh, I can totally do this thing. I don't have to do it ever again anymore. Like, yeah. oh yeah, Foursquare, I can win it. Great, done. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, so I'm, I'm kind of struggling. I have to choose one or the other. So I have to either get really good at writing dramatic specs for a dramatic either TV series or film or something like that, or get really good at writing comedy. And do that and so I'm kind of at that place um, and we'll have to like I have like a six eight month plan right now but I have to really bear down and decide which one it will be but you think TV would be your medium you, you probably um, I think it would be more exciting to be on TV like I have lots of ideas for plays and for like film scripts and stuff like that screenplays um, which I think are fun and I would love to do as a hobby but I think if I want to break into entertainment, like TV is the way to go yeah. for me personally, anyway. So, um, so you have a worst moment on stage and a best moment on stage you can recall. Yeah, um, try and think like worst. I don't have worst moments anymore, um, <laughs> and I don't think it's because I'm so good. Because I don't think I'm so good. I think it's because I don't have that same, it's not that I don't care. I'm not as emotionally connected. Like, it, that's not what's building me up anymore. Although when I was starting out, when I would perform and we had a bad show, I'd be like crushed for a week. And I'd be like, I can never do this again. It's so horrible. And I'd feel so sad and like lonely. And it was just miserable. You know, that's, that's, where that, well. that's where that uh, drive though to like, then get better at it. Yeah. yeah. And so like at a certain point, like I hit enough, not home runs, but like infield doubles. Well, all infield <laughs> are infield. I don't, baseball metaphors are probably not the best way to go for me. But um, <laughs> that like, like I stopped letting that affect like my ego personally. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's anything particularly bad. I can think, and I'm not going to call out anyone's names, but um I've done uh, a big thing for me. I'm a feminist, as everyone I'm sure in the room is. Like, it's important that people are just people and gender speak doesn't matter. Speak for yourself, Lori. <laughs> no, I'm speaking no. for you. <laughs> I'm going to speak for everyone. Uh, so I have been, like, the only woman on teams and been, like, put yeah. in the role of mom or girlfriend, which sucks. And, like, it's really hard to, like, get out of feeling like that's the only thing you bring to the stage. And it kind of, like, gets in your head in this way where you don't even realize it's a problem until like everything you're initiating is like, oh, I'm someone's mom and I'm gonna help their life. And it's like, I'm not a mom in life. Why am I, like, right. I'm not pulling from anything real. Right, yeah. um, so, and then like there was another time 
uh, and this was like when I was pulling back from stuff recently, and I got nagged by this dude um, who's kind of like an up and comer, oh, whatever. <laughs> and I got nagged in a way that like, he essentially like in a serious show made me feel like my character was a fake character and invisible and kept making moves to like, like I made a really bold choice to do something with my character and he essentially ignored it and it felt really shitty. And I was like, wait, I don't need to play with people like this anymore. Like yeah. I'm doing this show a favor to be here. Yeah. Um, and that's also like an entitled feeling. I didn't want to feel entitled anymore. So I kind of like pulled back from performing at that point. Cause it was like, this, this is not fun yeah. and there's no way to fix this. And I don't want to deal with like bullshit like this. That's rough. I was in an audition for an indie show a month or two ago and that happened to me. And it's funny because it happened the opposite of what you were saying. Like I was opposite of a female character, a woman and uh, not female character. I was opposite of a woman improviser and I labeled her as it was like in a, a church scene and I was like father like first it was priest and then I was like father and she was like um why are you calling me father I'm a woman and I was like because you're the only father you're the only parental figure I've ever had and I've been looking for somebody that could help me grow to be the man I want to be Right. And I tried to save it so bad, but I was like, fuck. Like, it's I knew I wasn't going to get cast after that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a bummer. Too. Yeah, it's like such a weird thing. And sometimes I coach people who are like up and coming, like, just play your, your gender, your perceived gender. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about it. But then I don't want to stifle people either. Because I feel like well, there's police siren in the background, everyone, <laughs> just in case you hear it. Uh, we're inside. Uh, so... Yeah, it's like, it's interesting. I don't, wouldn't want any young person of, of any gender to feel that they had to do any specific role. Mm -hmm. But it's, you got to be flexible when someone comes in and calls you father, even if you had something else. It's so tricky. So, yeah, I hope things like that stop happening to you at some point, and they will. You know, and what's, um, I mean, not to keep name dropping people or mentioning people who aren't here speak for themselves, but Chris Duffy posted something a few months back about his 101 class that he was teaching and how, uh, and I, I'm looking at you because I know you and him are pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, and he was talking about how like one of the things he teaches in 101, which I think is, is a very basic and, and like obvious tool to understand and learn, but it's also pretty advanced for people who are just wrapping their heads around improv and it's like play things that you're not. Like yep. don't, don't do like gender prov or anything like that. Like, let people become things. This is we're, we're playing. Yep. Which I thought was phenomenal, and and it opened up like it was one of those posts that he that people post on the Facebook thread of the Improv Boston community that ended up with like seventy comments, which that happens every few weeks, and it's always something good to read. Yeah, 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 absolutely. About, uh, oh. Oh, I was just gonna say, what about best moment? I remember my first best moment. Um, I mean, I've had a, a couple really good mo moments, but like my most, well, yeah, my most memorable or like the one I was super psyched about, I was doing a Herald and like, it takes many years of doing a Herald to understand Herald. And I've been doing it for five years now. And I feel like I'm just starting to get it. Like, I don't have to think when I'm on stage anymore. I can coach people. Like I know what I'm looking for. But at the time I was like in my head all the time, like I didn't quite get what we were doing. Like it felt like weird and uncomfortable. So I was doing Harold, I was on a team called Plan B at the time. And, um, and like I did this move at the beginning that ended up becoming like a game, like a meta game that we played throughout the show. And I got to like at the very last second, uh, Steve Delfino, who was great at pulling lights, <laughs> was in the booth and uh, and I, like, I tried to like make eye contact because the show was basically over. And I was like, I have this one more move. So I ran on stage solo and did this move. And it like brought the lights down and it brought like the house up and like everyone was cheering because it was the first time in my life. And so like people from UCB will say this, like, um, yeah, like you do Harold all the time. Have you seen Harold? Because like every time you do a Harold, you don't reach what a herald is it's pretty infrequent regardless of theater school or wherever you're performing and it was the first time i had ever experienced that and it felt so fucking good awesome. it felt nice. great 
Lori, um, you and I took the Jet Ebelet Masterclass mm -hmm. back in September, and I like the fact that we're talking about best scenes and moments in improv because the scene that we did when we, we ended up just paired up after several like exercises of pairing up with different people, you and I did a scene that to me was probably at that point in time the my favorite thing that I'd ever done in improv. Like, mm -hmm. and to I that was like that you. super organic. Yeah, scene. Yep. yeah. And we were supposed to like call out environmental things, mm -hmm. and, and, and you were wearing a backpack. Yeah. I think. Yep, yep. It, it was like the first day of the last year of college, mm -hmm. and I, I, I can tell you the entire scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember from it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, my character was basically like it's the first day back in, on campus. I'm like, I'm not ready for the real world, and you were like super stoked to be graduating, and uh, and it, it just to me it just felt so good, mm -hmm. and. I had watched you before, I've seen you perform so many times prior to that, mm -hmm. and like over the summer of me coming to Improv Boston last year, and uh, that was the first time you and I had ever like met, let alone worked together. And so to me, that was like, I walked out of there, and obviously I can still remember that scene like beat by beat to this day. Yeah. And anytime uh, people talk about like master classes, like you gotta, you gotta take this master class if you're available because especially when Jet came back in April or whatever. Yeah, she's so good. Uh, I was like, I had the best scene that I had ever done in improv opposite Laurie in this master class. You guys have to do it. Yeah, well, actually, it sounds like you should just tell people to take a master class with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, Jet is amazing. She's so good. So, and just like warm and, and like she remembered me several months later despite the fact that she teaches classes all the time and performs with so many different people. Yeah, she's very good like that. All right, so what I want to do next is um, this improv game we play. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay. <laughs> so it's called the made-up movie game. So um, I'm going to put my iPod on shuffle. Whatever okay. the next song that comes on will just be the title that you're going to use for inspiration. I'm going to okay. ask you. Like, what if it... I don't know the song? Oh, well, it doesn't, you don't need to use anything from okay. the song, just okay. the title itself. Okay. Um, but as if you were watching a movie on Comcast and mm -hmm. you hit the info button, yep. you know a little blurb it'll give you? Mm -hmm. If you could just give us a blurb of a movie you're making up off the top of your head yeah. based on that title. Okay, and then cool. we're going to improv a scene or two out of that. Oh, cool. Am I, do I get to be in the scene too? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So I'm hitting shuffle. Song is Porch by Pearl Jam. All right, cool. <laughs> Info button. <laughs> In a world where a porch is the only way you can get outside, one man and one woman and a dog sit across from the street from each other and wave. What happens next? <laughs> You'll never believe your eyes. Porch. Here, boy. Here, boy. <laughs> That girl, that girl on the porch next to me. I know you can talk. Don't just give up the gas. I'm so glad that this is an animated film because otherwise I wouldn't have a voice. <laughs> that girl on the porch across the street, man. Maybe if I do a trick or two, she'll come over. Yeah, do something, man. You're a talking dog. Never you gotta get our attention. I've never seen anyone cross the street before, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. All right. Here goes nothing. <laughs> You can talk. What are you doing? I'm doing my tricks. <clears throat> oh, man. Look at all these fireflies. I wish people got off of their porches. <laughs> hey, you. Hi. How are you? I feel ennui of life pressing upon me. Scruffy, do me a favor. Yeah. Run off this porch. Run over there and tell her... I think she's pretty. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I've never left this Porsche either. Just go. <sighs> I'll get, uh, the fear of the unknown. Uh, I'll give right. you a whole chicken later. Just go. You know what? Whole chicken? Whole chicken. It's worth it. <laughs> oh, hi, dog. That guy over there thinks you're really pretty. Oh, that's nice. This is like a whole Sierra thing, huh? Yeah, uh, I've heard of heard of people putting messages in bottles. Yeah, me too. I've never been to the ocean. I'm only on this porch. Yeah. What are you talking about over there? <laughs> sometimes your dog talks, man. <laughs> sometimes he barks. It's so weird. 
He's a weird dog. Yeah. Did he tell you I think you're pretty? Thanks, but I'm more than just a pretty face. I think it's really interesting that you're yelling now when you can hear each other perfectly a minute ago when you were just talking normal octanes. Octanes? Yeah. Man, this dog knows English, but not great. This is true. I'm a dog. <laughs> okay, fair enough, dog. Um, okay, can you take a message back for me? All right, but I'm not putting it in a... I'm not carrying a bottle, so uh, you have to tell me. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. I don't have yeah. a bottle to give you. Cool. Um, cool. Can you tell him, like, I'd like to find out more about him? Maybe ask... Ask like a starter question. He's my owner. I can tell you about him. Oh, you could? Yeah. Now I'm going to send you back across the street. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes barking. He's barking. What's with the barking, man? No, I can't talk if I'm moving. That's true. All right. Uh, she wants to get to know you better. Yeah, I got that vibe from her that she didn't like the pretty comment. So I'm gonna... I thank you for the compliment, but I... <laughs> I need to get to know somebody. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell her I'm really into um, women's studies and women's literature. All right, that's a lot. Um, so far, it's just been very short messages. Something about Charlotte Bronte. Go, All go. Right. <laughs> um, I think he read Charlotte's Web. Well, you didn't bark that time. <laughs> I wasn't talking as I was running. <laughs> uh, he said something about reading the book Charlotte's, Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web? Yeah, and, oh, uh, that pig. Some pig. Yep. Ask him if he thinks he's more like Charlotte, who is the spider, or the pig, who is Wilbur. Ask him, or or the the rat. Ask him who he thinks he would be in that book. He said he likes to study women. So. No, that's clear. I know. Okay. So, but who, I'm curious about what he's gonna say. I'll send you back across now. Right. Go, boy, go. I'm gonna talk while I bark, while I run. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey boy, hey, how'd it go? <laughs> this is pretty fun. I've never left the porch before, and now I can't get enough of it. Uh, how was it on the streets, real quick? Not too bad. There's not no too crowds bad. going by, so I'm not afraid for my life or anything like I thought would happen from watching television. <laughs> All right, how'd it go? How'd it go? Uh, I don't Do know you think she, she likes me? She wants to know more about that book. The Charlotte Bronte book? Yeah, something, whatever. There's a pig in it or your pig, I don't know. Oh, man, wish I read that book. Um, also, I think she's a little creeped out that you like to study women. What? No. Oh, misunderstood. Um, hmm. Short sentences. I'm a dog, man. Uh, I don't want to be a pig anymore. Maybe if we left our porches and got to know each other, I could open up as a human being and explore... All right, I got this. All right. <laughs> Pagan dog. He said he wants to open up a human being. What? That's weird. Do you... <laughs> can I ask you a question, dog? You can uh, ask me anything. First of all, do you have a name? <laughs> Scruffy. Oh, okay. An obvious name. Um, also, do you think the apocalypse is over? Uh, do you think it's like safe to actually leave our homes now? I mean, you've been out there. You've been yeah. in the real world. <laughs> Three syllables or less. I can't really deal with any long words like apocalypse, but... Do you think world fire is done? Yeah, that sounds like a thing. It's pretty safe. I mean, I keep running back and forth. I know. How's the, how, how do your feet feel? Pretty good. I've never gotten exercise in my life. I think that's what it's called. Three syllables or less. All right. I'm just I'm, I'm coming over. It looks safe. Oh, man. Road. Be careful. I don't think this is going to end well. <laughs> ah, zombies. Why? Oh, no, the only man who could have pleased me has been attacked. It clearly, it's not safe to go out there anymore. Well, dog. So, what Guess character? It's just you and me. Yeah. Have, do you read or do you just speak? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't like books. Television. Yeah, TV's pretty great. Well, Although it's too many syllables for me, so TV, that's what it is. Yeah, that yeah. is what it is. I mean, obviously, you just said it, so I think we're okay. Oh, no, he's rising from the dead. I'm a zombie now. Oh. Pretty lady. I mean, in smart... Intelligent woman. Oh, zombie you is so much better. <laughs> Come on in. We'll cook for you. And see. <laughs> hey. oh, that was hey. the worst game of telephone I've ever played. <laughs> Actually, it was the best. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, so 
Chris, what do you have coming up that you'd like to plug? Oh, we're not going to analyze that scene and talk about it for like 30 minutes? <laughs> I want notes, dude. Um, I have, well, today is June 13th, um, which means tomorrow is June 14th, and I have a sketch show at 11 p.m., which is uh, Current Eventuals. It's the show we've been writing this week. And aside from that, we don't have another one of those until August, but I'm doing a little, uh, I keep calling it a mini tour at the end of this month into the early into early July. Um, but my sketch group, always on deck, we're doing Improv Boston on June 26th. We're doing Awkward Compliment July 3rd, and then we're going out to New York to perform at Magnet cool. on July 6th, and it'll be the second time I perform there. It's a great day to... That's Yeah. And Lori? Uh, yeah, so tonight, this very night, which is the 13th, the 13th, um, at 11 p.m., I am doing a show called Blackout at Improv Boston, which is improv in the dark. So it's kind of like a radio play, like what we're doing here. It's a lot um, of fun. I saw you guys do it at Comedy Club <coughs> a few months back. Yeah, it is a fun show. Thanks. Uh, and then tomorrow from 7, to, 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., I am hosting a um, Herald and Hot Dogs Flag Day party at uh, Star Lab in Union Square. Uh, and the event is public up on Facebook, so find that, and we'll start the Heralds at 10 p.m. and the Hot Dogs at 7. And then in July, I'll be back hosting the Moth Story Slams. The dates are TBD, um, so if you're interested in that, check out themoth.org. Cool. Um, as far as me... We didn't uh, ask you. <laughs> I'd like to know. <laughs> All right, so on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station, um, we have Deep Podcasts, which is a new podcast by Zach Bain, uh, Ryan Perinunzi. I know those guys. And Bill Fryer, um, all from Buscow. Uh, it's good stuff. They also in my improv class here. They um, take a top. They they make up like they they make up. <laughs> wow, I'm starting. They improvise a podcast that allegedly already existed. So it's 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 basically a new podcast every week of improvisation of random topics. But it, it's good stuff. Um, I did a terrible job describing it. <laughs> um, there's Bill and Tim's Bogus Podcast. Um, uh, Eagle Come member Bill Cox and his buddy Tim McCarthy. Uh, it's kind of talk about whatever random shit and it's funny shit <laughs> um we're gonna have a new podcast on bits called throwback thurscast and it's gonna <laughs> be me and bill fryer and we're going to just ask for suggestions uh through facebook about nostalgic things songs toys candy shows whatever um, yeah and we're just gonna talk about it for maybe five ten minutes and then do some scenes and cover couple topics per episode so that should be fun that's gonna start in a couple weeks uh my group eagle come will be at hennessy's at just comedy uh every monday coming up and i'm actually uh in a new group with my level five class we haven't uh come up with a name yet last week we were bazooka joe and the pixies but i don't <laughs> think that's gonna stick so um no it has a nice ring to it yeah it's just Two brand names stuck together. So, uh, you guys tell jokes; it makes it makes sense. So uh, we'll be performing at Hennessy's as well. Um, we just had uh, what else are you gonna do Wednesday, which was a big success uh, at Maggie's Lounge. We had a bunch of improv teams there perform and some stand-ups, and it was a great night. Uh, we're gonna try to do that once every month. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Other than that, uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. And rest in peace, non-improvisers. Peace. I came up with that tag. <laughs> Bye.